Morning, First Love family. We are here alive from death row. This is our last installment for the week. Today is Friday. Um, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So let's do this. I was a dead man walking until you left this dead man walking back to life. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. This is a pretty accurate uh, picture of the contrast between the new man and the old man. And um, all of those things that were mentioned that are don't-do's, I have practiced frequently in, in my life in the world. And I found that they led me to just a dark place. I remember when I got saved and I thought to myself, I thought, wow, man, uh, I'm a Christian now. All my problems are over. And it wasn't so much that all my problems were over, because they definitely weren't. I became under the attack of the enemy, which is common. But what I discovered was that my problems weren't all over, but now I had a new heart condition from which I could deal with my problems. And resorting to sexual immorality, uh, uh, coarseness, um, uh, uh, bad language, all of these things that used to be my go-to, um, they were alleviated. Largely, they were taken away. And if I was walking on a daily basis in the spirit, I rarely saw those, those terrible things. And so therefore, my testimony became sure. Well, he doesn't talk that way anymore. He doesn't act that way anymore. He doesn't play tough guy anymore. And God was able to move in a direction in my life where I began to grow some integrity, integrity in him. But in, in regards to what Paul's talking about here, those things that he described are, are, are the exact contrast to where we want to live, where God wants us to live. And they make it clear to me that, and really in God's economy, there's no gray area. There's no neutral territory. You're either in or you're out. You're either living the life Jesus has prescribed for you, or you are not. So many times, uh, I, I think this is our fleshly nature, that we want to act as if there's wiggle room. And we accomplish this in our minds by subscribing to a cheapened sense of grace. We take scriptures like 1 John 1, 9, and, and if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We take those scriptures which are intended to put on display God's immense desire to have us in fellowship with him, and we take them and adopt an attitude that says, God will forgive me. He knows I'm just flesh. He knows that I'm bound to fail. He knows me. I, I, he doesn't expect me to be perfect. And of course he will forgive you. But we got to remember what it tells us in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. See, God makes provision in his grace for our failures. But it is so much better to live in the power and authority over the sin nature that is our inheritance in Christ. Uh, you know, I became tired 
of consistently coming to the altar of repentance on a Sunday morning at church rather than coming to the altar of praise. I was coming to the altar with a, a week's worth of sin piled up onto a Sunday morning service, and my, my, my thought was, Lord, please forgive me. And it could have been, and it should have been, Lord, thank you for blessing me this week that I got to relish in your grace, that I got to uh, uh, show your mercy, that I got to live in the experience of your, of, of your glory. But no, I'm coming to the altar. Uh, Lord, please forgive me one more time for my foolishness instead of, Lord, thank you so much for giving me wisdom and knowledge and understanding and power to overcome my fleshly nature. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says, We should be, and it goes like this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partake, qualified us, mark that, qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life, where he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. If we have been qualified to be partakers in the light and delivered from the power of darkness, what excuse could we possibly have for continuing to fall? We've gotten on a bus. We got on at the bus stop of despair and darkness. We got on the bus, and we have slowly traveled the boulevard until we've come to the place of light and love. And we ride the bus all the way around until we're back to the place of darkness instead of getting off in the place of lightness and love and living in that. What, what excuse do we have? except for <clears throat> possibly our <clears throat> lack of understanding of the power that we've been given. And sometimes we do fail to understand. It's either that we don't understand because we haven't been reading his word, we haven't been studying. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's either that we don't understand because we're illiterate of biblical matters. It's either that or we live in this, uh, this cheap um, God will forgive me kind of grace mentality that cripples us, cripples the ability of the Holy Spirit to raise us up to where God wants us to live in true righteousness and holiness. If we've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of his love, then there is no temptation to sin in that place. I'm not saying we'll become masters of sinlessness, uh, sinlessly perfected, but what I am saying is that we will live in the distinct awareness of the close proximity that we can have to absolute purity. His absolute purity. And I said this not long ago in church on a Sunday morning. I said, you know, when, when, we are, when we're living in God's love and his light, when we've been forgiven, when we have uh, acted on uh, Acts 3.19, um, uh, uh, repent therefore and be converted, uh, that your sins may be blotted out, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When, when we're in that place, God doesn't look at us and see our sin. No, he sees his son. And then we are to become imitators of that purity. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Watch your children. They absolutely adore you and they want to be just like you, unless, of course, they are teenagers. But, but see how they just stare at you and then attempt to do the very things that you're doing. Do they do them perfectly at first? Of course not. But their little hearts are bursting with a desire to be just like you. That is why Paul uses this analogy. He goes on to say, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. It is always the result of any goal that we set for ourselves spiritually or that the Bible sets for us. It's always our goal, love, 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 and more love. 
Because that is the supreme manifestation of God in the world and in the life of men. It is the fruit and the evidence of one true position in him. If we are not loving, then we are not imitating him as dear children. And we're going to end with this. Let's pray. Lord, today we will live in obedience rather than sacrifice. We will be an imitator. We will seek that our thoughts are thoughts that dwell on your great sacrifice. And we will seek to live sacrificially and love wholeheartedly. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend, you guys. We'll see you on Monday. God bless you. I was a dead man walking until you left this dead man walking back to life. This is First Love Church. Welcome home.